if the NBA, the Players Association, along with members of the coalition, unite as one and agree to return to play and be part of the July 31st 22-team restart, will that be enough to prevent owners from ripping up the collective bargaining agreement? Here's a hint. No. It's no secret that the NBA and the Players Association have been in talks to try to resolve any issues they have heading into the restart of the season. Now, the Players Association and the Coalition, they're actually on the same team, but they have a different view of how to handle what's going on around the country. Many players are really concerned about the restart, and they, they're not really sure now's the time to be thinking about basketball. And I can understand that point of view. You have leverage. This is not a moment. This is a movement. This is a life change. Go big. But at the same time, when you listen to players like Chris Paul or LeBron James and others, they believe that they can play basketball and still advocate for change. And I don't disagree with either side. I really just think they're two different options. And I don't think either one is a wrong option. But I will say this, whichever way they ultimately swing, it will have a domino effect going into next season and beyond. When you listen to somebody like Avery Bradley and the demands that the coalition were talking about, including improving hiring practices for black front office and head coaching candidates, making it so the league's management better reflects its composition of players, donations to organizations serving black communities, and partnerships with black-owned businesses and arena vendors. Yes, I think all of those are great ideas. And there's no question they would have a strong impact in black communities. But I think there's a bigger picture. Yes, economically, we have to have change. But you also have to look at what's going on in the streets, within your neighborhoods, when people get pulled over, or how the interaction between police and black men and women, or people of color in general, is ending with death. I'm not saying Kyrie Irving is the perfect messenger, but I don't think he's wrong with his sentiments. I don't think Avery Bradley is wrong on how he feels. And the same can be said for the brothers who still want to play. Perhaps those brothers can make a powerful statement when they're on the court or after a game. It's it's too much of a blanket statement to say, if we go back and play, the message will be lost. Could it be lost? It's very possible. These things that are going on that have been happening 
these lives that have been lost, those lives were lost going back many, many years. But in recent years, remember, Trayvon Martin died eight years ago. These murders were happening in 2016, 17, 18, 19. And in 2020, as I said about the NFL players with Kaepernick, I think it's great that NBA players have united and you can hear their voices. But they could have united those years as well. There were lives lost in those years. And I didn't feel this sense of unity. And everybody wasn't pumping out their chest trying to be the next Chuck D. This is a moment that this movement should be going beyond a moment. This really should be a life change that impacts us now and impacts generations far beyond right now. Basketball has a role. Sports have a role in society. But I don't think, like Avery Bradley said, we should put all the weight on players. If the owners are true partners in this, if they're truly part of what could be change, what can be improvement, what could matter in communities, then they need to step out. They need to speak out. And more than speaking out, we need to see action. The players, the fans, we need to see some kind of profound action from the owners. I agree with Avery Bradley and the coalition on this point. Before the restart, it would be it would go over so big, not just in the league, not just with the fans, but in the country, if they put something down in writing, something real. Where David Stern left off, Adam Silver hit the ground running. He's been a terrific commissioner, by far the best commissioner of the three major sports. But he's about to get tested, not just during this restart, because there will be some mistakes. There'll be some hiccups. And yes, there will be some positive tests. I'm talking about what's going to happen in the offseason. Remember, I think what a lot of people don't realize and a lot of pundits like a Stephen A. Smith or Max Kellerman or Shannon Sharp or Skip Bayless and others. The idea that the owners will not rip up the collective bargaining agreement, that's insane. Of course they're going to do that. You can book it. That's done. Revenue has been lost. As soon as games were not played, that activated a clause, which is going to allow them to rip up the current deal. And they're going to do so. Also, don't forget, of the 22 teams, there's going to be eight teams who are not going to make any more money. They're not going to be a part of this. That's that much more revenue lost. That will directly affect the BRI, which is the basketball-related income. 40% of the BRI is from ticket sales, and it trickles down. Think about this. Exhibition tickets, playoff tickets, concessions, merchandise sales, arena luxury suites, broadcasting licensing, revenues, practice facility rights, gambling revenues, stadium revenues. All of those things 
impact the BRI. And right now it's a split. It's a 50-50 split. But because of this season and because the owners are thinking ahead, there's a real chance. There's no, there's no antidote right now for this pandemic, what's going on with the coronavirus. There's a very real chance that next season there won't be any fans in the stands as well. That's more lost revenue. So, yes, that's going to impact the BRI and the player's share of that basketball revenue. It's also going to impact players' contracts, free agent signings, trades. It's going to happen. And the question will be, going into the offseason, when they do rip it up and they want to come to the table, will the owners be partners with the Players Association? Or will they try to strong arm them as they always have? Every time there's been a collective bargaining agreement or a fight over it, the owners always win. They always get what they want. And then the players try to save face to talk about what they were able to keep. Mark my words. When this season is over, maybe even before we get into free agency going into next season, they're going to rip, rip up the collective bargaining agreement. This is about money. It's about power. And while the stars are big and they have power, the owners have the ultimate power. This is going to happen. Book it. We do hypothetical matchups all the time. Steph's Warriors against Kobe's Lakers. So let's have a little bit of fun. It was reported that Kyrie Irving floated the idea of players starting their own league. So first, before we get into this reality, it's not going to happen. Not anytime soon, if ever. And I'm probably going to lean towards if ever. But what would that look like? How many players would even get on board trying to start a new league? Knowing from the jump, they'd have to give up their guaranteed money. And then they'd have to turn around and invest in something that might not yield a profit right away. They, they might just put out more than they ever get back. Plus, where are they going to play? Think about all the agreements, the investors. I'm a diehard Laker fan. I grew up purple and gold. If Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, if Kobe had actually went and left the Lakers to co-play with the Bulls, would I follow Kobe Bryant as a fan? Sure, I'd follow and see what he did with the Bulls and, and enjoy him. I'm sure he would ball out with Chicago, but I'm not leaving the Lakers. I'm a Laker fan. That doesn't change. So if LeBron James and Anthony Davis, let's say the Lakers organization, the, the players left, went into a new league, let's just say all teams – kept their current rosters for the first year of a new league. What would the names of those teams be? Where would they play? The Lakers are a brand. The Knicks, for better or worse, and in recent decades worse, they're a brand. The Celtics, that's a brand. That's an established brand that has relationships with other businesses and established brands as well as sponsors. 
The one thing I'll say that the players have, the one advantage that they would carry with them if they were to start a new league would be them. Their star power. If you took the best players from the NBA, all of them, the very best, even the second tier stars, and the up and coming stars like Ja Morant, like Zion, and they went into another league. Yes, the NBA obviously would have the brand advantage, but with social media, with the way we interact and communicate with each other, no, I wouldn't jump ship and not be a Laker fan. I would look to see what the Lakers could do possibly, but I'm going to watch that other league. I'm a fan of the game. I love basketball. So, of course, I'm going to watch the other league because right off the bat, that other league, they have the best players in the world. They're, they're the ABA. They're not the ABA. The NBA, if LeBron left, if Kawhi left, Steph, Clay, Giannis, the NBA would become the ABA without Iceman, without Doc, without Artis Gilmore, and people like that. They would become the ABA. They would have brand. They would have recognition. But if you knew all the very, if you said, who are the top 10 players, top 20, 30 players in basketball, and they're all in a rival league, this wouldn't be the USFL. This would be a league where you knew legit they had the best talent. So even future draft picks that came into the NBA, would they really carry the weight of an Anthony Davis, a Giannis, a Steph Curry, a Joel Embiid? I'm not saying it would work. But I'd be hard-pressed to just out and out say it wouldn't work. The NBA... Yes, it's a team sport, but of the major sports, it promotes that individual talent. We know the faces of NBA players, and their voices are heard. They speak out on a lot of issues, and they're vocal in social media. They connect to fans in a way that other players from other leagues don't. Take those players away and replace them with, I guess... The, the the draft class of 2021 and go forward, I know it would be to the NBA's the, the NBA would obviously have a, have a clear advantage in branding and establishment. But how do you not watch that other league? Whatever the name is, whatever the name of the teams are, the logos, how funky they may look or whatever, you know you're going to watch. And when people go, well, where will they play at? They'll find a venue. They'll find a venue probably in the same cities they're currently in. Who's not going to watch LeBron James and Anthony Davis play against Kawhi Leonard and Paul Paul George? Of course they're going to watch them. Who's not going to watch Giannis go up against Joel Embiid or Jason Tatum go back and forth with Jimmy Buckets? Yes, they're going to watch that. I'm watching that. I don't care if they have to start their, their league on the YouTube network. I'm watching it, or on Hulu, or on Sling. I'm still watching it. I don't believe it'll ever happen. But if it did, 
How many of you would honestly say, I'm not going to watch that league. I'm staying with the NBA because this is what I'm used to. I'm used to watching the very best of the best play. And if they left, that would no longer be the NBA. If Giannis and the Bucks come up short, let's say for some reason, the Sixers with Embiid, with Simmons, Tobias Harris and company are able to push them to the brink and maybe they get past them but get upset by that team with all that perimeter talent. I'm talking about those Celtics with Gordon Haywood, with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kimball Walker, and Mr. Do-Everything, Marcus Smart. If the Bucks, with the best record in the league, come up short again, would Giannis seek greener pastors? Here's what I'll say to that. Yes, he needs to improve as an individual talent. He's still developing. Don't forget, he's 25 years old. He'll be 26 this time next season. 25, and he's giving you 30, 13, and 6 with a block and a steal per game. He's doing that without a consistent jump shot. I want to remind everybody. He's a center. He's a unique center, but he is, in fact, a center who has the ability to generate his offense from the wings. He shoots 30% from three. And while it tells you he takes 20 shots per game, he's not a volume scorer. What's happened is he's taken a career high five threes per game to try to extend his range. He could improve, but let's say he never becomes a 35, 36% three-point shooter. What he's going to need around him to win a title is a perimeter player that draws attention the way somebody like a Steph Curry does or a Clay Thompson to a degree. The question is this, though. If Giannis tells the Bucs if they have a disappointing finish in this 22-team restart, I think it's time to move on. I, I want more talent around me. And the Golden State Warriors come calling, and they offer Clay Thompson a career 19 points per game, 46% from the field, 41% from three, and he's a great two-way player. Along with Andrew Wiggins, a lot of us will say a disappointment, but he's a unique disappointment. He's a 19 points per game disappointment, and he is only 25 years old. Along with the Warriors' number one pick, or should I say their lottery pick, would the Bucks take that deal? If they knew for certain that Giannis was not going to extend, of course they're taking that deal. That's a given. And if you're the Warriors, splitting up Clay and Steph, it changes the dynamics of the team. It's a completely different team. You'll still have Steph. You'll have Draymond. I'm not debating that Giannis is a better player than Clay. He is, but he's a different player, and the Warriors will become a different team. And I'm not 100% 
certain they would be as lethal, which is strange. Remember, Giannis does most of his work in the paint. Draymond's not a shooter, and he's not going to be a shooter. So now everything on the perimeter, it's going to be put on Steph. In a strange way, I think Steph will get loaded up on more because you can find a post player. You can deny a post player. Giannis will still have to get better as a perimeter shooter in order for the combo of he and Steph to work. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. And, and, I, and I don't want to disrespect Bob Myers and company because I'm sure if they were to make such a deal, they'd already have some comparable wing players on a short list to try to fill the void. Maybe not as good as Clay Thompson, but maybe maybe a, a group effort, maybe two or three guys to try to generate what Clay Thompson could do. Would the Warriors do it, or would they look at what they have with Steph, with Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, who can still help? Here's the thing about Wiggins. Wiggins is not a number two option. I think Andrew Wiggins, in his best role, He's a three or a four. I think Andrew Wiggins on the Warriors will be a better version of Harrison Barnes. He's a fourth option in terms of where he stands on the team. Obviously, he's going to score more than Draymond. I could score more than Draymond. But but the point I'm making is his value on the team, it, it'll be amplified, and he will have less pressure on him. Playing with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green – and the surrounding talent that they put around them. I think Andrew Wiggins will be playing with house money. I think he's going to play his best basketball with that core. I'm not saying you pass up on Giannis, but if you truly believe that that core of Green, Thompson, and Curry have another four or five years to make title runs, then you keep them together. And if you're the Bucks. If Giannis wants out, then you hold out for the biggest deal you can get, a monster deal. Maybe it won't come from the Warriors. Maybe it comes from the Sixers. Or maybe it comes from a Western Conference team. Either way, I'm asking the fam out there, would you trade Giannis for that package of that top five pick, Wiggins and Klay Thompson? Good looking out checking out this episode of the show, I'm going to hit you up and leave you with this question. Who was the better player, Mad Max or John Starks? Hit me up on Spotify, YouTube, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. It's the Cypher.